Welcome back to the Lou Perez podcast. My name is Lou Perez. If you'd like to support the podcast, please head over to theluperez.locals.com and join the Lou Perez community. If you join, you'll get to listen to the podcast early. You'll get to watch my sketch comedy early, as well as experience other exclusive content. So I hope you enjoy it. And if you're looking for another way to support me, you can do so by supporting my sponsors. So if you're into cold brew, I highly recommend Black Organic Cold Brew. Head over to www.blvckbrew.com and use promo code LOU, that's L-O-U, and you'll get free shipping. And if you're into CBD products, please check out Paloma Verde, www.palomaverdestore.com. And if you use the code LOU, you'll get 25% off purchases over $75. And if you sign up for email, you'll get an extra 10% off as well. All right, here we go. If you have ever been suspended from Twitter, if you've ever been put in Facebook jail, I want you to know that there's a community for you over at Locals.com. Join the Lou Perez community and share with me the stuff that got you kicked off those other platforms, and uh, I will decide whether or not the other platforms had a, had a good point. R- right now, I am uh, joined by uh, a friend and fellow comedian, Brian Torres Day. Brian, thank you so much for joining me, brother. Hey, man. Thanks so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Yes. Uh, it's funny that you bring up uh, Facebook jail and everything. I actually just had, I've been doing TikTok for a little bit, and I heard they could get pretty strict from some people, but I didn't know how strict they were getting with like, especially like straight up just like comedy and jokes, mm-hmm. because I've heard that there's like a test that people do to do like dark humor on TikTok. And I've seen some pretty dark jokes. You know, like stuff that you would say, like when you're in middle school, right? Where like the punchline is like, a, you know, baby in a blender or something like that. Do you remember those jokes? And yeah, stuff yeah. Like that? yeah. So I did my first joke and I, I got that badge of honor of having my first video taken down by TikTok. Whoa. <laughs> has, has that ever happened to you on the other platforms? Because on, on Facebook, I noticed uh, uh, it was the other day and I was uh, going to I was responding to a comment. And it was like the first time that a warning label came up and it was like, oh, really? Hey, you should rethink this if you're going to, you know, send it to somebody. <laughs> and, and I don't, you know, I don't like go on and, you know, to other people's, you know, posts and stuff uh, for the most part, you know, this is all like comments on my own, on my own stuff. So it's sort of, I always look at it as well, if you're commenting on my own, on my stuff, you know, I, I should be able to, you know, respond to you, but I forget, I forget what it yeah. was. I, I forget what it was exactly. I don't know if I, it might have been something as stupid as, you know, calling the guy skinny or something like that. And it was like, are you sure you want to call this person? It's like, oh, no, no, no. I remember what it was. I remember what it was now. Uh, I forget what the guy wrote, but I said, uh, uh, you remind me of the last condom I used. <laughs> and then that the warning came up. So then I had to, like, figure out a and way. If to anything, you were being it. extra protective. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and to be fair, you know, if you saw a picture of this dude, you're like, yo, that dude does look like some latex. Like lose condom. Yeah. Lose yeah. old condom. Not lose even old just condom. Hey, lose old condom. Dude, it's been a long time since I've worn some condoms, man. I uh <laughs> been a the really marriage long... life. That's yeah. the benefit of marriage life. Nobody talks about those benefits. Yeah. It's it, it's so it's so funny. I, I'm probably I might be the only guy who's ever done this, but uh I have actually put a condom on to masturbate 
where it's oh. been so long since I've worn a condom that I've actually put one on to masturbate. So, and it, was that even like, oh, is it like a nice little like, th- did you say like hashtag throwback Thursday before you did it or something? <laughs> well, well, well the, no matter what, like, you know, uh, you know, while you're doing it, you're not really you're not really thinking about it. But then after, you know, you finish, you know, you you look down and you're like, what the fuck am I doing? I have a I have a okay. condom on that I need to unfurl off my penis. And were you trying to get off just to like kind of reminisce about the good old days when you were single? You're like, oh wow, leaving the house and not having to tell anyone where I'm going. Or <laughs> oh yeah, I could it, it wasn't even sexual. The TV on, not getting yelled at. You know? Yeah, no, no <laughs> nothing sexual at all. That you know, yeah, nothing, just nothing like it's just like stuff that you could do. I. I sometimes fantasize of like the stuff I used to do in my apartment, like before my wife and I lived together. And it was just like, I kind of just miss like, you know, like taking a dump with the door open while the TV's on and just watching TV while you're dumping. You know what I mean? Like those are fun single guy moves, like those little like single life guy bachelor hacks. And I'm like, God, I miss that. Or like, you know, taking a shower and then having music playing to like not wake up my wife like i can't do that anymore you know i used to just blast like my phone put it in like a cup and then just shower and then listen to like a podcast or something now i'm like yeah, my wife's gonna wake up i can't you know i gotta be quiet so I, I was like, uh, those are like those fun single fantasies i used to do well do you know um have you seen uh i saw this one meme going around where it's it's basically a picture of an empty room in a mattress on the floor and uh a, a woman basically saying, I can't believe guys live like this. Right. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, well, well, the reason why guys live like that is because you continue to fuck them. Like, it, it, you know, if, if this dude wasn't getting anything, you know, uh, there's no way that he would live like that. He would be going to, you know, Crate and Barrel and uh, West Elm, West Elm. That's, that's definitely some marriage. Uh, if you're married, you know, all about West Elm. No. I've known so much. I, I've known, I like, I learned so much about interior decorating when I moved in with my wife. Like I actually caught myself one time being, I'm like, I don't know, that doesn't really fit our motif. I actually use the word motif in a sense. <laughs> and I'm like, who the fuck am I anymore? You know? <laughs> well, well uh, when you, uh, so, so you and I, we met, we met in Los Angeles like a few years ago and then yeah. you moved uh, to Brooklyn kind of, uh, kind of in the same neighborhood where, where I live. In L.A., were you with your your wife in L.A.? Did you guys meet out there? Yeah, we met out there. Um, She went out there to get her master's at USC, and we just matched on Tinder, and that was uh, a few hookups later. That was it, you know? That was pretty good. What what did she study? What's her uh, master's in? She studies music. So we were both like broke artists. <laughs> is that is that way more educated than I am when it comes to being like a broke artist? Do you guys get along? Do you guys get along on the music front? Do you guys like listen no, to the same stuff? No, no, no. We were actually talking about this last night. Like we were watching uh, House Hunters, which is like the ultimate like marriage pastime. You know what I mean? And we're just like looking at these couples that are like, dude, there's no reason they should be together, much less buying a house together. You know, mm-hmm. and you're like, what? Like one person's like, I hate fireplaces. The other wife is just like, I want to live in a fireplace. You know, what I mean? right. like, how do these people meet? And my wife and I were just looking at each other. And we're like, hey, we really don't have these like massive disagreements, like especially when it comes to like life plans, like kids and all this stuff. But the one thing we will never agree on is music, movies and television. 
Like we just will never vibe on that. It's always a compromise. Wow. So that that's it. Like I'm like, but if everything else is fine, I think I think we're good. You know. Yeah. Well, with with those shows, you got to throw some other shows into the mix. There's a a show called Good Bones. There's a show called Hometown, which I oh, think Hometown, I'm, yes, Hometown yeah. is Hometown is good. They're they're a cute couple. I like their I like their that couple. That little uh, a southern. Lot. I just yeah. I know I want that big burly dude to build me some shit. You know yeah. What I mean? <laughs> um. He uh, yeah. He kind of reminds me of Josh Denny a little bit. I don't know if you, if you oh, know Josh. No, no. A little bit no because he's got the the Josh got the thick beer going on. Not 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 subject matter at all. If you guys are going to if you guys are opening up hometown thinking that you're gonna get Josh Denny comedy that you are not. Okay, it's a wholesome Does show. It's really nice. Or what? Does he have <laughs> giant houses that he eats or what? Ouch. Oh, oh yeah, because the giant there's uh yeah, the giant food, yeah. Right. Anyway, that's, that's a Baseball. But, but you know, you know what happens though a lot. Like you, you know, you watch these shows and you see the couples. And the one thing that we point out a lot is like, damn, that couple looks a lot older than they are. You're like, oh, Jerry and and Mona are 29, and you're like, 20. What the fuck? They're the that's a hard 29. Hard 29. Like 29. When you see like those old like World War II photos, you're like, they're guys 22 years old, and he's just like already like leather faced and everything. You're just like, Jesus Christ. Right. Well, with uh, I, I was I'm pretty lucky with my wife. We we get along on a lot of those fronts. Uh, when we go out to dinner, we basically it, it it gets annoying where she's like, "I was just thinking of that, of having that," you know, where going through the menu, like I wanted to have that, you know, and um, and and we're pretty good on on TV and movies, um, music, you know. I, I think I think. Uh, years, years, years ago, I had a a talk with a with a friend of mine who basically pointed out. He's like, "Look, when it comes to music, it's sort of like a losing battle to judge people based on like what music uh, they yeah. like, or or to or to establish friendships uh, based on music because you know ultimately uh, everybody's taste is gonna is gonna differ. Like I, my my music mix is just all over the place from." Uh, Fucking Bjork to Tool to Deftones to Sam Cooke, you know, <laughs> and 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 I put my stuff on, and I'm like, I get it, I get why somebody wouldn't like this stuff. It's okay. I know. I, I I gotta say the same thing. Like I, I I I'm not gonna lie. Like I I bought the Batman Forever soundtrack on Dude, iTunes. Kiss, <laughs> Kiss from the Rose, man. Seal, brother. There's so many good songs on that, man. I was like, Smashing Pumpkins is all, did a song for Batman Forever. Oh, did they? Cause I, I know the U two one was like, cut, uh, cut, trust me, kill me, kiss me. Yeah, like, like that. Some like low key. There's I'm like, this is a fire album, man. Like it's like, and it like ticks off all the right boxes of nostalgia and everything. And uh, yeah, but as far as like eccentric music taste, dude, yeah, it's like I, it does range. It's a wide spectrum. As you get older, you get less cynical, right? Mm -hmm. And you're just like, fuck it, I like it, I'm gonna own it, right? Like now, like the whole cool thing is to be like, you know what? I always liked in sync, you know, for dudes, right? Yeah. For dudes, it was like when you were growing up, you're like, nah, I'm like Eminem, I'm against boy bands. And now you're older, you're like, boy bands were rocking the shit out of these songs, you know? <laughs> like Yeah. Well well also yeah, you kind of look back and you're like, How long is Eminem gonna keep that shtick going? Where it's like, <laughs> dude, you're 
you're 50, man. Like what, you know, what's, uh, <laughs> I think he's 50. He's probably he's, I think he might be older though. I know yeah. his, his, his daughter, like I saw, you know, like, it's like those like clickbait articles on Facebook. They're like, you'll yeah. never guess what Eminem's daughter looks like now. Right. And you're just like, all right, I do want to guess, you know, and then you click and then you're like, oh, wow. She just like, she's got like two doctorates and she has two kids of her own, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, mm. yeah, he's, he's definitely getting up there, but it's like, dude, you got to relax, man. Like, take yeah. it easy. even Dr. Dre chilled out. He's just like, I'm just going to make headphones. You know, like the, uh, yeah, it's it's funny because when, when you're younger, uh, you know, there if there's like a group that you love or a band that you love, and and somebody uh, starts liking them, you know, you're you're like, oh, you're a poser. But as you when you get older, <laughs> you're like, wait, you like this music? Can we be friends? Like, can we hang out? Because that would be really cool to have another, you know, another friend I could I could vibe with. Yeah, just like on this. On the whole, like, music front, though, that's what I mean. Like, it's ever-changing. I recently got back into, like, listening to a lot of, like, old Mexican artists that my mom liked growing up. And I used to just be like, I don't want to listen to that. Like, you know, and then now yeah. I'm, like, I'm like, fuck, these are good artists, man. Is, is, uh, is Mana? Are they, uh, are oh, they Mana's Mexican? great. Yeah, yeah, they're from Mexico. They're, like, Mexico's U2. Well, they're, like, Latin America's U2, man. Like, they've been around forever. They've put out, like, a billion hits. And they freaking sell out like hundred thousand seat arenas in Latin America. I mean, it's like even yeah. people here, like they tour here in the U.S. and they sell out. Man, they were at the Barclays Center before the pandemic and they sold out. Oh shit! Yeah, for, for for those of you who you know aren't familiar with Mana, like basically just imagine Sting singing in Spanish like with a <laughs> yeah. with a rock band. Like that's kind of I remember that's how he sounded. But what's funny is like. Th their stuff isn't hard you know it's like it's it's really good uh rock music but i remember seeing like posters of them where they look like i mean basically dressed like they're like pantera and it's like it's like <laughs> it's like that's not what that's not your sound man like i don't you got like uh you know leather and and uh you got like the spike knuckles and like yeah you know, and it's like just... oh yeah my amor. Oh, yeah. I mean that dude that rocks hard though. <laughs> <laughs> I re I remember back in I think it was like early 2000s where there was where radio sucked. Like I I'm, I was in I'm, I'm born and raised in New York so I remember just radio in New York sucked so bad that I just started listening to uh the salsa stations like salsa oh, yeah. tone just because it was just because it was different it was a completely different sound um but with salsa and merengue and all that it's so funny because it's like the same song that they're playing at 5 30 in the morning or like <laughs> during like rush hour you know like uh in the morning it's the same song they're playing at night you know it's sort of like there's no there, there's, no there's no chill there's no off time yeah, yeah there yeah. is no chill yeah. This is like this is like Lou's like Latin lover phase, you know what I mean? That's <laughs> like remember, remember like the Latin explosion, dude, in like the the mid to late nineties where oh, it was like Mark Ricky Anthony? Martin, yeah, Mark Anthony, um, who else? Enrique Iglesias, mm -hmm. like those dudes were just killing it, and that's when like chicks were like, "Ooh, what's up with these Latin guys?" I I swear to God, like that alone helped me probably, you know. Well, dude, it was it was so big. It was so big that Oscar De La Hoya had a had a uh, album. Yeah, Oscar De La Hoya had his album, dude. The freaking Mexican American Goat, Oscar De La Hoya. Yeah, he even it got so big, he was just like, 
hey, I'm pretty. I, I could I could probably carry a tune. And they were like, fuck it. Just, just throw yeah. some money at him. You know, yeah, I, re I, re I remember uh, I was studying abroad during college in, in Madrid and the and uh listening to his song it was a song called am i unwise and it's awful like it's just fucking <laughs> he really yeah he he realized he was just like you know what this shit hurts way more than actually getting my face punched in you know by like floyd mayweather <laughs> you know? well Dylan is one of those guys too it's it's so it's so wild and i know we're, we're kind of jumping all over the place because it's been a while since we we've we've talked so it's it's fun to to hit all of the very important uh issues um Deloitte is one of those guys where like like you said like he's a very he has a very pretty face and yeah. and it's almost like people have no fucking idea how how much of a killer he was in the ring man just fucking in, insane i mean he, he fought I'm reading, fucking... I'm reading his book right now dude and oh yeah uh, yeah, he has a biography that came out a few years ago, and he was just talking about like how that was like the one thing that he used to get made fun of, like when he was like going into like the Olympics and everything, like oh you know this pretty boy, and then he would just go in there and just like rail on dudes, yeah, and just freaking take him out, and then you know I was like man dude he's a tough son of a bitch, and then people were like yeah but what about the lingerie thing, and I'm like damn it you're right, <laughs> I don't know I think I think that adds another element to him I mean like you know, getting fucked up by a dude wearing lingerie. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't get around that. You can't get around homeboy's jab. Like you're fucked, man. It's true, man. You're like, he knocks you out with a left hook. And then afterwards he goes to Victoria's secret. And it's yeah. just like, there's no coming back from that. That's like a physical and an emotional pain that like no fighter would come back from. Has he, uh, does he talk about that in the book? Is he, is that in the book? No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't get into that. Well, honestly, I mean, I'm like, couple chapters before i'm done so he might get into it but i think it's one of those things where like you know people self-edit those you know their biographies you know like right like i'm pretty sure it's not like if you read mel gibson's you're like hey where's the part where he gets the dui in malibu you know <laughs> like yeah yeah where's the where's the whole chapter about how he feels about the jews and uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly you know. The, the editor Simon and Schuster's like, you know, Mel, we're, we might not, uh, we not. No, let's not just let's talk about Lethal Weapon Four more. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um, so you were, you were saying uh, earlier, so you've been uh, doing stuff on uh, on TikTok. You received your first uh, your first ding. What what, what yeah. happens when they take it when they take your video? So I, I I and it was a funny thing. Like it was one of those videos I was like picking up steam, where I was like, oh, it's got like. 4,000 views in like an hour. I'm like, oh, this is going to go like pretty viral. It's like, or at least get something. And people were like commenting, like laughing emojis and stuff. And it was like a simple joke. Like the good thing about it is like, you can just tell a joke and it kind of like has that stand up rhythm mm -hmm. and people just like watch it. So the joke was like very simple. It was just, you know, have you ever noticed that every Hispanic woman you've ever seen wearing a Selena t-shirt all looks like the woman that shot her? <laughs> yeah, president of the fan club yeah. yeah that's the joke right and it was getting a ton of responses and then i like got an alert i was like what is this alert and i click on it it was like your video has been deemed inappropriate mm. for a abusive uh what is it abusive bullying or hate speech and i was like come on man like that is just and it's funny because it's on instagram too mm -hmm. and instagram doesn't remove it Right. So it's like clearly like what is the hate speech? There is no hate speech. Who's being bullied? No one is being bullied there in particular. 
it's just an observation regarding my own culture. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Right. It's like if a black comic's like, hey, man, you know, we got to stop Aaliyah. You know, Aaliyah. waiting in line for Air Jordans for 10 hours. You know what I mean? Right. It's just like, <laughs> it's not controversial, you know? Right, right. Um, yeah, it's 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 weird uh, trying to navigate those things. For, for one, it, it you know, you're, you're a stand-up comic and, uh, you know, so many so many comics need to you know venture out and start using all these all these different platforms and yeah. you know i'm looking at it now and i'm like i'm on like five or six different platforms you know basically you know putting out content regularly and it is weird trying to navigate hey what is going to get dinged what's going to be deemed appropriate or inappropriate and sort of uh like on on instagram a while back i what was it, it was a controversy where i think it was uh, Congressman Dan Crenshaw, uh, his account followed an escort, like a, an escort's account, right? That made and, me like him even more. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, so I, I went I, and I checked out the escort's uh, account, you know, just for research purposes. And uh, and on I mean, her website, out of my price range. I mean, she was fine. Yeah. Oh, dude! I mean, uh, on her website, it was like how much an hour you know, is, and she, she was charging something like, like $1,500 for an hour, $1,500 for an hour. And I, I, I took a screen grab and posted it. And I said, you know, uh, you know, how the hell are minimum wage, uh, prostitutes supposed to be competing with somebody who's giving it away for, you know, 15, $1,500, you know, it's like, she's basically driving down the prices on all the uh, minimum wage ladies out there. And it got, uh, and it got dinged for, I, I think it got picked up as if I was trying to sell a sexual service. And it's like, no, I'm not, I'm obviously not the escort. I'm not the pimp or any, or anything like that. Um, and I mean, are I, things going pretty hard for you, Lua, right now, or what's going on? <laughs> I mean, th things are, really, bro. It's okay, you know. Things are all right, but I. But look, man, like, like I'm 39 <laughs> years old right now. This is what I look like now. I don't. <laughs> I don't think I'm. I'm gonna. You know, I start. I look at pictures of me when I was 19, and I'm like, that's when I could have made some bank. You know, yeah. being uh, you know, a little being G a for stud. B, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? <laughs> yeah, um, you know. Yeah. A gay You're for like, pay, why not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, why didn't I get harassed for, for right. this type of uh you know work or at least get get me something in the industry, give me a walk-on role on like Melrose Place or something, you know? <laughs> Felt like I was good looking enough to do it. Dude, you know, I, I had uh, I had it all. Uh, I had it all and I, I let it uh <laughs> I let it go, but but it did was, your but, file get suspended because of that, or was it just like no, a no. Facebook they, jail thing? Uh, the, uh, Instagram, yeah, I think it was Instagram. Just took down, just took down the post, and there was a process I could have gone through to fight it, but with everything happening, you know, I was like, it, it's probably not even worth it, you know, to, to yeah, go through like it. And also, it's like, would I be labeled basically the equivalent of a pain in the ass? Uh, by Instagram and like, would that, you know, lead to more, you know, uh, you know them looking at my, at my profile more. Uh, so it's just a, you know, just a pain in the ass. So I was like, ah, yeah. So I'm it's like, it's, it. but that's what I mean. It's like, it's like those obstacles too, where you're like, it's, I'm clearly a comedian. I'm clearly yeah. doing it for, you know, just trying to get a, a funny gag, a reaction, what have you. But once you start kind of doing that self-censorship when it comes to like posts and stuff, you're just kind of like, Man, dude, like they could literally like 
you could build up an entire audience and then post the wrong thing. And even if it's regarding your own culture, you're not attacking an individual person and then they could just take it away. Like, dude, that that's a little crazy. You know, like they should understand, like, look, this is obviously intended for humorous purposes. I'm not trying to get, you know, Xi Jinping to attack the U.S. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, right. Right. No, it's uh, it's uh, it's tough. Um, it can well, it can be tough. Uh, it can it, it can be tough. But uh, with uh, with everything going on, I saw a little while back you were you were featured in like a what was it a, a spoken word competition? So, so. No, I'm not, dude. Don't make me lamer than I'm already am. Uh, no, no. <laughs> so <I> would... <laughs> Explain yourself, like, Brian. Explain yeah. yourself. I'm like. My Latin brothers cross the border. The border crosses us, and then it's just like one of these. <laughs> was it a storytelling thing? What? Uh, what no, what it was. was uh, so I'll tell you what it is. Yeah. It was uh, this really cool competition. It's pro uh, put together by this organization called Nosotros, which was started by Ricardo Montalban, and oh. he put together this organization years ago that is made for um, Hispanic artists to basically kind of give them a more of a spotlight. So they started doing this thing a few years ago. Actually, this is the second one. So it was like a year and a half ago, two years ago, pre-COVID, where they started kind of recruiting, looking for uh, up and coming writers and actors um, of Latin descent. And they basically put together a monologue slam. So, you know, 12 writers put together, you know, write their best monologue and then they have 12 actors perform them. And the year before, they did it at the Ricardo Montalban Theater on Vine, right, in, in Hollywood. Uh, but since this one was, you know, pandemic, I got selected as one of the finalists. So it was cool. I went out to L.A. and we shot for it. Um, NBC is also like a presenter for it. So it was a really cool experience, man. I got to meet a lot of great people. Um, it was fun. Uh, and it's just like it's just a cool thing that they're doing just to kind of promote like you know, Latin voices in the industry, which if you even look at like statistics, like just watching television, like super underrepresented, like way below like the population. I remember doing a video. match the population? I, yeah. remember, I remember doing a video where the, where there was a breakdown of, uh, of, you know, representation stuff. And uh, it seemed like, like black actors were pretty well represented as far as the, uh, the population went. Uh, Asian actors and yeah, Latinos were all the way, <laughs> were all the way on the, uh, uh, on the, on the bottom uh, uh, of that. Which, yeah, you're like, it doesn't, it's like, a, and it's funny because you'll watch shows that take place in LA and there's no Hispanic people. And you're like, you guys have to like purposely go out of your way to avoid, you're like, is that Hispanic? We got to turn the camera this way. You know what I mean? <laughs> like LA is like 70% Hispanic, you know? And mm -hmm. so it's like, it just doesn't make sense. Like, there's no tone. Like, you would think you'll be like, there's at least one big, like, lead action star that's, like, Mexican-American, right? But there isn't, you know? It's like, or they're, like, not cast in the right way. So it's one of those things where, like, I, I feel like, you know, the, the market is not caught up to what, like, the general consensus in the audience is. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. When it comes but, to that. But plus, I, I think it's it's one of those things, too, because when you're talking about, you know, Latinos, Hispanics, like there's so many different countries, you know, it's just yeah. it, it's not a mon, you know, it's not a, a, a monolithic, um, you know, race or ethnicity. 
um, too, that it it's, uh, yeah, you wonder like, you know, which stories are being told, you know, um, which, which stories make the most sense to be told. I, I don't know. Um, because I like from, like for me, like, you know, my dad's from Argentina, but that's very different from, you know, people from, you know, from, from Mexico, people from Cuba, people from Ecuador, right. you know, but it's sort of when you have a, you know, a Spanish surname, it's sort of like, let's get, let's lump everybody together, you know? Yeah. That's what I mean. Like, I, I feel like just even like the stories though, is one thing that's like really missing. Cause you have so many good stories of, you know, people, you know, coming to the United States, uh, you know, cultural stories, uh, you know, even stories within like certain neighborhoods in the U.S., you know, like there's just so many good things and and not to bring it back, but like Oscar De La Hoya's story, like not a lot of people know, like his parents were from Mexico. He became a gold medalist as an Olympian. He's like one of like only a handful of American boxers that actually, you know, became a gold medalist, which is pretty awesome, right? It's like Muhammad Ali, Sugar Ray Leonard, you know, like are just some of the few names on there. And, you know, he kind of just kind of gets forgotten as that. And it's just like the culture just kind of needs to like understand that, like, you know, he represented the U.S., he fought, he won for the U.S. And it was just kind of this weird thing where it's like that story should be more known. Like everyone mm -hmm. knows Muhammad Ali, everyone knows like Sugar Ray Leonard and you're just like, you know, someone who just did it, you know, not like as far as history goes, like very recently, you know, like in the 90s, it's just kind of forgotten, you know. So, mm -hmm. yeah, those are certain things that you're like, you know, it's just that would make a great story. Um, and those things need to be told. Like people just know. And that's kind of like the chicken or the egg. Like people are like, well, we don't know if there's a market for it. It's like, well, yeah, well, if you don't ever produce it, you'll never discover it, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder with uh, with Deloya if it if it has something to do with you know just like boxing's popularity, you know, because obviously when when Muhammad Ali was fighting, uh, you know, to be the world champ, you know, to be a heavyweight world champion was like you were the heavyweight world, world champion of the universe, you know. Yeah. Um, and then Sugar Ray was back, you know, in the uh, you know in the eighties where you know boxing was was king, and then it seemed like in the nineties, I don't know, like it. it boxing kind of went down a little bit I, well Deloya was like the and i know probably don't care about sports here but like no no he was fun. like he was like the one guy who was like the post tyson era of boxing mm -hmm. so like when tyson went to prison and stuff they were kind of looking for like the next big superstar and he came around and he had like the richest when he fought trinidad which was a puerto rican fighter and there's that that like that latino rivalry you know right. we talk about which I think is great. Like, I love that, like, Latinos beef with each other. I think it's so entertaining because to, like, everybody else on the outside, they're like, well, you guys, you know, don't you listen to the same music? And you know I mean, it's just like they will fight to the death. I even did a joke one time where I was on stage where I was like something about Puerto Rican. Some Puerto Rican dude's like, hey, and I'm like, oh, you're Puerto Rican. He's like, yeah, I'm like, OK. Ladies and gentlemen, we have to fight now. I like <laughs> this guy, but by Latino rules, we have to fight to the death. Yeah. And he's Puerto Rican, so he'll definitely have a knife. 
Um, and I'm Mexican, which means I have a cousin somewhere nearby who'll jump. Dude, I was, I was like, just, I was just about to say, man, like they're bringing weapons. You're bringing your, your, uh, your family. That's what yeah. Mexicans do. It's like Puerto Ricans will definitely, you know, pull out a weapon. Mexicans definitely have a cousin that will jump in, and he'll yeah. still swear to you, like, "Oh, bro, it's good. You two go at it, man. I'm just here to make sure everything's all right." And then he'll jump in anyways. <laughs> it always happens. Well, I, uh, um. I, I I totally hear you about the rivalry because my uh, my my dad's a butcher and we have we've had a butcher shop in Spanish Harlem for I mean pretty much as long as I've been alive you know so almost almost forty years my dad's had it and it's in the barrio so um, it's a very um, there's a, a very large Puerto Rican community and I think in the nineties that's uh, when a lot more um, Mexican immigrants started started coming and the guys who work for you know, a, a lot of the guys who work for my dad are Mexican. So you have like uh, Mexican butchers and then Puerto Rican clientele. And when when the boxing matches, you know, were happening, that was the that was the fucking the best. And uh, I know for me, when it came down to who was I going to root for, I I rooted for the Puerto Ricans. I, I had to. You know, <laughs> I had to for business. (laughs) Yo, they're going to buy pernil. So we got to get, you know, we got to make sure the Puerto Ricans win. But, uh, my, um, uh, if my dad's shop, there's like just photos of, of boxers, you know, all over the place. Um, and one of my favorite, one of my favorite boxers is, um, uh, macho man, uh, Camacho. And, and I I mean, I mean, they're fucking awesome. And his fights with, um, I don't know if he fought, Julio Cesar Chavez. Oh yeah, he did. How many times did he fight? Did they fight just they, once? I know they fought once, but Chavez like beat the shit out of yeah, him in know. that fight. No, I know. Well, and and it was wild because you look at the time, like like just just to give you an idea of the time period. I mean, before it, you know, Chavez was calling him a maricon uh, because <laughs> for those of you who don't, for those of you who don't know, Macho Man Camacho was very flashy and incredible, like incredibly he had that fast, little, like that little like. Uh, tail like hair thing, like, Puerto Rican Superman, like uh, yeah, he did. Yeah, the Puerto Rican like Harry Potter thing. You yeah, know, like it was it like was a like, little hair tail right here. It was like you take the rat tail and then you put that shit on the front and then you you know uh, you shorten a little bit. But he was he was an awesome boxer uh, and um, yeah, he was great. You know, especially you know at, at that time. But you know, Chavez did you know did whip you know whip his ass. He he won, and then afterwards they're like hugging. And and Chavez said, I, I think he said something like, I take it back. He's not a he's not a maricon. I mean, <laughs> and you're like, what? Like, looking back at that, you're like, what the fuck? What year is this, man? You know what? Dude, I, re- I remember on? that, too. Like, my parents are like super like prideful Mexicans, man. And that fight, I remember well, as a kid, they had it on. And my dad was just like foaming at the mouth. He's like, dale ese cabrón, dale. Like, you know, and then he, and then my mom is like, tell him, she's like, chingatelo. You know, she's like, I know. <laughs> in fact, they actually went to a Julio Cesar Chavez fight. Like, that was one of their big, like, things. Well, I mean, they the dude fought Vegas. like a thousand times, man. The dude was like 90, <laughs> was he like 92? I think Delahoya is like one of the few people to actually beat him. Yeah, Delahoya beat him up pretty bad, which is, that's, that's a funny thing because, when you talk to like Latinos, like Latin, like Latin people from Latin America, like especially like Mexicans, right? Like if your parents, like I'm a Chicano, right? Which means right. I'm first generation born here, but like they, they don't respect that. Like to them, you're not real Mexican unless you're born in the land, you know, like they're super prideful about that. 
and the whole Deloya thing, it was like our generation against like mm-hmm. the older generation. It was like a passing of the Mexican. But dude, Deloya even said he's like when he fought Chavez, like members of his own family weren't talking to him because <laughs> they were like, "You're a traitor. Why would you fight him?" He's like, "What the fuck?" It's like yeah. it's my job, you know? Like exactly. Well, well, I wonder, you know. I mean, nowadays, you know, so much is wrapped up in identity, you know, identity uh, politics, you know, where it is one of those things that when I was when I was younger, I was a lot more proudful of my heritage and, you know, where my where my dad came from. Not so much my mom, because my mom's American and my mom's a mug, but like, oh, my dad's from, you know, Argentina. My grandfather's from uh, he's from Spain, you know. And then as I as I've, you know, gotten older and become more of, uh, I guess, an individual with individual successes, um, I think it's a real I think there's there's a rich history there of my father, of the culture that I that I came from this this odd culture of dads from Argentina. Uh, we're, we're, we're from Queens, New York. We got a butcher shop in the barrio. We yeah. have I have um, a, a, a sister-in-law who's. Colombian and Argentine. I have a Dominican uh, sister-in-law. I have a Puerto Rican sister-in-law. You know, so there's all this 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 interesting, you know, kind of fusions that are that are happening there. That I think is fun, but it's like that's not that's not all that I am. You know, I'm, there's so much uh, more to right. me that as you grow up, as you as you um, you know, as you find out, you know, who you are. Where it's sort of like the idea of you know not being considered. You're not a real Mexican, you know, and, and at some point yeah. it's sort of like, well, okay, I, I am who I am, though, right? You are who it's you exactly are. Exactly, yeah. You know? But that's the funny thing. That's that's kind of like the older generation where it's like that whole like that pridefulness, you know, that that they they, they, they just carry with them, you know, and it's kind of like that. Hey, you know, don't think you're as tough as we are because we were actually born in the in the homeland, and you know, you're you're a little American kid, you know? So it's, it's a weird dynamic because I remember growing up, like with my cousins, when we'd go to Mexico, you know, they would kind of tease me sometimes about that. And I'm like, Hey motherfucker, I can speak both languages. You know I mean? Like you can only speak Spanish. <laughs> um, but then as you get older, you kind of like, you know, dust that off. Like, it's not that important. Like, you know, with my parents, my family, like my dad still lives in Mexico. My mom lives here. They're very much like, to deny that part of me is it's I can't because it's like I grew up with parents that spoke Spanish at home, um, you know, taught us like real kind of traditional like lat- like Latino values and, you know, always being a hard worker, not complaining, trying to do the right thing, which you're like, those are just good universal values. But for them, they like really kind of push it on you, mm-hmm. you know, going to Catholic mass, you know, all those things like. It's, you know, the mom being like the overprotective, overbearing kind of person that she is. And it's it's fun, though. Like, I, I look back and, like, really appreciate those parts of the culture and kind of carry that with me in the way, like, I kind of conduct myself now. Um, but the fun thing is, as I've gotten older, I've learned to appreciate a lot of, like, the art that comes from Mexico and Mexican culture and listening to those artists where you're like, man, those are just super talented individuals that you know part of me just to kind of rebel and be like the more american and that's how you rebel as a kid if you grew up with immigrant parents is like you kind of go way more american you know like i was listening to like van halen and 
you know, listening to like Audio Slave, like Soundgarden, like trying to like get away from all that. Uh, my brother wanted to be a rapper, <laughs> which he, you know what I mean? Like, so it's like, we try to get away from that. Now as we got older, it was like, it's kind of cool to embrace that and, and like actually appreciate it. Right. Sorry, my dog's barking at me. Is he good? Is he all right? She? Yeah, it's, she, she's fine. She's all right. Um, where, where's your dad in Mexico? He lives in Monterrey, um, in Nuevo León, which is like... Let me translate. Uh, uh, Monterrey. <laughs> yeah, Monterrey. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, give me one second. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No we're going to take a break for just a sec. And we're back. Well, I uh, Was it last Was it last year? Yeah, last year I went to um, Mexico City for the first time. My wife was, uh, was teaching a... Uh, uh, she was doing a training for bar... Uh, for bar exercises, B-A-R-R-E. Um, oh, cool. and, nice. Yeah, we got to go to um, to Mexico City, and I was blown away by by the food, man. I was like, yo, <laughs> I was like, it's like this is some this is some real stuff. And my my dad, he multiple times a year, he does pilgrimages there. He's uh, he's all about the uh, Virgin of Guadalupe, all about oh. it. Yeah, so he he goes there. Um, he was going there a few times a year doing his uh, pilgrimage to the uh, to the one. What is what does that entail, by the way? Like, just to get more detail. Like, oh yeah, well, basically, he would go. I think he would go there, um, go directly to the church. You know, go to to mass. Um, most of the time, have uh, he's friends with uh, I think some of the priests uh, who are there. Uh, do his his I guess prayer stuff, and then like the next day, fly back. So it's not like he was going, you know, to Mexico City to, you know, have a vacation or like that. Um, so your so, is like a super devout Catholic. Well, it's it's weird because I don't know. I don't think he goes to mass here, like ever. I don't think. <laughs> I, but there, there's something about that place that really draws him there. Um, and when when I went there, I'm, I'm uh, we made sure uh, to go to the church. It's a beautiful church. I forget. Uh, oh, the one the, in Mexico City, like the big cathedral. Huge. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah, no, it's gorgeous. I know I can't think of the name either, but it's like right there in like the like the town square that the Spanish built. It's huge mm -hmm. and it's and it's gorgeous. Yeah, it's like and it's it's just like I think it's probably like what like forty stories high as far as like the peaks and stuff. I mean, it's massive. Yeah, and and it's it's one of those things where uh, so I'm not uh, I'm I'm not religious. I'm an I'm an atheist, uh, but being able to go there, I was able to to get a little bit of, Oh, I get, I get why my dad comes here. I get why he flies here all night. It's a, it, it, there's something really special about, um, about the place. And, uh, we had a, we had a really great time, um, in, uh, in Mexico city. So I'm looking to, I'm looking forward to, to go back. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things too, where it's sort of, uh, the older you get, the more experiences you're able to have, the more places you're able to go. For me, it just opens up the world, you know, both literally like you're you're going to new places, but it's also like this is all for me, you know, everything <laughs> here, like this is all for us. Like it's there if you want it, you know, to take it. There's no um, there's no, uh, I don't know, r restrictions, you know, outside of, you know, occasionally being, uh, you know, uh, charged with cultural appropriation or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which who gives No, a that's what I mean. It's like. I definitely see like when, when I go to Mexico, I definitely one thing that I always kind of remember is just like the whole culture and it, it 
kind of embodies like a, a different spectrum of like humanity when you see like other people live in a certain way and they like they manage their lives and then they have kind of like like their own rhythm like every country has its own rhythm that they're used to like in america it's much more like you know it has its own set of rhythm when you go to mexico it's the same thing or latin america and one thing i go to mexico is like everyone's just so like they just kind of they're just so open right like they they kind of talk to you like even it's just very standard like you know the the maids or or anybody that you work in the hotel like they're like ah como esta mijo or like como puedo ayudar and like they're just so much more like welcoming and warming mm -hmm. and the US culture is like a lot more like cl closed off like mm -hmm. that's one thing i noticed as a kid growing up is when we we would go out to eat my whole family would just be like loud talking cracking jokes, blah, blah, blah. And then you turn and see like, you know, I grew up in South Texas, like you, you can see like a, you know, right? yeah. a white family and then they would just be very quiet and very proper. And, you know, and I'd go to my white friends' houses and the dad would be like, so junior, like, what, you know, how was school today? And and my parents would not be like that. They'd be like, you know, and they're much more warm, like, you know, kind of like the dad kisses you on the cheek kind of oh, thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. They're much every, more like inviting, you know. Every, uh, yeah. Uh, every time my dad came home from work, uh, well, kisses on the cheek, hugs and kisses on the cheek, uh, every mm. single time. That was that was the norm. It, it's it's interesting, uh, you know, with with the U.S. and talking about you know sort of the um, uh, you know the different cultures. So, you know, growing up in New York, uh, having the butcher shop uh, in the barrio. So the customer, the clientele there, are Puerto Rican, Mexican, Black. Um, uh, Senegalese is another is another big uh, uh, a, a big chunk of the of the of the customers there, and uh, I had this joke before about you know uh, uh, I'm done uh, anytime that I need to play a racist in a in a sketch I'm done doing a southern accent because <laughs> because the most racist people I know are Dominicans. You know, so it's like if, if I want to be if I want to be real, then I got to be doing on a papi. I'm gonna put on a Dominican accent. You know, uh, because it, it's wild. So I, I hear the I hear these stories of you know like oh these racist white people here, these racist white people there. It's like you got to go to my freaking to the butcher shop and see how angry black customers get <laughs> when the when the freaking Mexicanos are speaking Spanish behind you know behind the counter. You know, they're oh, like yeah. they're, where you hear shit like like you're in America, speak English. And you're like, <laughs> you're, you're expecting like this isn't some fucking, you know, Texan with a big hat or no, you know, man, it's, no, it's man. like, no, this is, you know, this is a lady from the, you know, from the hood who's like you, you're in my country. You speak my you speak my language. Oh, no, dude, they go in man. I'll tell you a quick story. I when yeah. I first moved to L.A., I moved I moved into like this little I, I was renting a room from like this little kind of like townhouse. It was like a group of townhouses together. So it was like a little kind of community. And I was just renting a room there. And I lived with this lady who um, it was basically just, she was a nurse and she had a kid and I just rented a room and it was great. Cause they were like never home. But I remember one time she was like, yeah, so some of the neighbors are going to do a little, like a little cookout. If you want to join, like everyone from the little kind of apartment complex kind of thing is going to go, you should go. So I went and I started talking to people and that's when I realized that like black people have like super conservative values when it comes to like immigration. It's hilarious. 
they were like straight up going in on like, you know, they can't just come over here, man. And, you know, they're standing outside the Home Depot and like, you know, my kids got to go to school with them. You know, like, and it's just right. like all this stuff. And I was just like, they're like, Brian told him, you know, you're here from Texas. So like, where are your parents from? I'm like, they're from Mexico. And then it just got really awkward. No, but then you're like, don't worry. Only one of them is here. The other one, exactly. he he stayed over there. He's not taking your job. <laughs> he's not, he's not lining up in front of Home Depot, taking your shit. That's what I mean, though. I'm like, they were going in hard, though, man. They were like, yeah, man, they, most of them ain't even insured, man. You never know if they're going to wreck into you and shit. I was like, oh, my God. And I was just like, yeah, man, these burgers are pretty good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, But I was like, that's when I got a, I got a good dose of it, you know what I mean? Right. But I was like, you know, it's, it's cool, man. Like, it's one of those things where, like, you don't get mad. You just kind of, like, look at it as just, like, everybody's perspective is different in different, like, races and cultures. They just aren't fully experienced of, like, kind of everybody's point of view. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, it's so funny because – do you remember like like heart like Mexicans and like Latinos in general are like super homophobic still, which is so funny to me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like first of all, men in Mexico they hug when they when they say hi to each other, right? It's like how could that be homophobic? You know, we we have Juan Gabriel, which is one of the most like flamboyant gay musical icons. He's not gay, but he's gay. You know, and if you don't, do you remember when? Vicente Fernandez, which is like the number one mariachi singer in like Mexican history. He's like Frank Sinatra here, you know, (laughs) there was a news report where he had to get a kidney transplant and he refused to get a kidney from anybody outside his own family. And they couldn't find donors within his own family lineage. And they were like, what if you die? Why don't you just accept the kidney? And he's just like, I don't know if that kidney was inside the body of a gay man. <laughs> That's how old school homophobic he was. And the reporters are just like, did he just say that out loud? Does, does he think gay people stick their kidneys in each other's asses? Like, what the, what the fuck? What the, oh, my God, man. But this was like recently, too. This was like in the last like 10 years that he said this out loud. Which is like absolutely hilarious. I'm like, this man who like, ha- probably hasn't had to drive himself since he was a teenager because he's been famous for so long. Right. He still thinks that like a kidney can turn you gay if he gets a gay man's kidney. <laughs> oh, and he's shit. like in his 80s, which is hilarious. <laughs> it's just like, are you kidding me? Did he end up getting it? Did he end up getting the kidney? I, I, I They ended up finding a kidney from, I don't know, from... From from one of his family members or something like a that. A very I, I straight, family very member. straight. Yes, exactly. You know, he would shoot guns while you know wearing cowboy boots and <laughs> you know driving a monster truck, <laughs> eating a slim jim while snapping into a slim jim. That's how straight he was. Well, uh, what's it called? I uh, I think I would be remiss not to talk to you about um, what it means to be Latinx. And uh, oh my god, how, how do you? Uh, <laughs> How do you navigate your truth, Brian Torres? Well, Daddy? Latinx is it's an inclusive term which excludes all of the grammatical laws in Spanish language, which is great, you know. <laughs> and that, that's the one thing too, where I'm like, that's how you know where someone is, especially like Latinos, where they are, like as far as like the their kind of their core beliefs, right? I'm not even gonna say political because it's really outside of politics at this point. Right. It's like their core beliefs. 
as soon as you say they're like Latino and they're like, Latinx actually. Like that's, you know, you're like, okay, I know where this person's core beliefs are, you know? Um, Which is such a funny thing. And I don't, I honestly, I don't really care when other Hispanics say it. It's so, so cringe when white people say it because white people are so unsure of saying it and they don't know if they're saying it right. Oh, so I, I, like, yeah, I'm, I'm still Latinx, Latinx, Latinx. Yeah. Um, Latin, I don't know. I mean, I wrote a, I wrote a joke about it, mm-hmm. um, which you have to, right? Because right. you're like, this is one of those things. And one of the things in my joke is I'm like, these terms, where they come from, it comes from rich white women with too much time on their hands, right? Because it always starts with their kids. When they have too much time, they start renaming shit that they don't need to rename. And it always starts with their kids, right? Like you see like a white woman pushing a stroller right here in like Cobble Hill in Brooklyn. And you're like, oh, that's a beautiful baby. What's her, what's her name? And it's just like, um, Stevia. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> it's always just like these things. So I'm like, so they eventually got to Latino and they were like, that's something we should, that's on the chopping block. Let's do it, you know? Well, I remember uh, I remember first seeing it um, in an, in a newsletter from my alumni. So I, I went to NYU, and it came in my uh, you know my inbox, and I looked, and it was like you know we're here to celebrate all of our Latinx uh, alumni, and I <laughs> and, and that and that was like the first time in a really long time where sort of I had a, my latent Latin pride came out, and I was like, what the fuck? What what did you call me? You know, it's like. It's like <laughs> You know, yeah. um, it, it was, you know, it was so uh, it was so odd. And, and, you know, the fact that, you know, I, I forget which poll they did, but it was something like 98 percent of Hispanics and Latinos do not identify with this uh, Latinx yeah. uh, moniker. Like they don't even. Yeah, they don't know. Like they're not identifying themselves. Like it's not it's not something that's like catching on. Right. Like you're never going to see like, Latino, like, I just say Latinx. You know what I mean? Right. It's not one of those things that's catching on. It's only catching on in like the industry, right? Like entertainment industry, because they're always trying to like make sure they're being as inclusive as possible. And I think in like educational circles. Right. But other than that, like if you actually talk to Hispanic people in Latin America and everything, like they don't know it. Like I, I mentioned it to my dad the other day and he's like, Que chingados esa mamada que, you know, like, de aquí, cabrón. You know what I mean? Like he just hung up the phone. <laughs> well, well, I think, I think, I think there's something what you said before just about, you know, uh, Latin representation uh, in, you know, in Hollywood where right. it's almost like, it's like, oh, when there isn't enough Latin representation in Hollywood, you get to push things like Latinx. You know, oh, uh, you know, it's it's almost that's, that's it's almost like yeah. if there was more representation, you have a bunch of people be like, nah, no, nah, no, nah, that that's not us. That's not what we're uh, that's not what we're doing here. Um, I remember. Yeah, re- no, that's the funny thing too, though. It's like part of it is that, and then the other part is just like, look, instead of producing television shows or casting more Hispanic actors, we'll just go with Latinx. That just kind of covers it. And you're like, no, no, no we <laughs> we want you to do the shows and do the actors. Or, you know, you could keep your fucking ex. You know, right, right. Just actually start producing these shows. You know, yeah. I I read a I read a piece a, a while back by I think the, I think the kid was an undergrad. I forget which college. I don't know if he was uh, Columbia or, um, or or something like that. But he was a um, you know bilingual uh, English and Spanish, and he was he was he basically ripped apart the whole Latinx thing for it's he's basically called it. Look, you want to talk about colonization? 
you know, here you guys are trying to colonize the Spanish language, which is <laughs> a gendered language, you know, and like throwing in something like, you know, the letter X in this, uh, in this uh, instance where he's like, I don't even know what the hell, you know, it, how it's to be pronounced or how this works for, you know, for anything else. In Spanish, it doesn't work at all. Like, mm -hmm. it just doesn't make sense. Like, it's... Uh, all I know is Wakaka. I know Wakaka has an X in it. That, that other... <laughs> yeah, but like, X in Spanish isn't even like that. Like, it's not It's not a term. It's not a word that really kind of rolls off the tongue. And we're all about rolling our R's. And you took the one thing that helps us get there. You know, it's like... Right. No, yeah, it, it, is, it is like a language gentrification. You know what I mean? It's like right. a, it's like a upper class white person being like, you know what? In, we're just gonna clean this up a little bit. You know what I mean? It's like you know, take away your your uh, your butcher shop in the barrio, and we're gonna put a a tea studio. You know what I mean? <laughs> like we just make tea all day, right. and you can pet cats. You know what I mean? That's what they want to do to your uncle's butcher shop, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, well it, it, it's funny. This whole time I've been I've been talking about about the uh, butcher shop, and I wanted to talk to you about uh, you're you're a vegan and talk about that. And and, yeah. the and one thing that I could say though, uh, there's the hack joke about you know how do you know someone's a vegan? They tell you. Uh, I have to <laughs> I, I have to say you are not the stereotypical annoying vegan who like pushes his shit on you and like brings it up and and all that. Like I think you're. You're you're pretty chill uh, when it comes to it, but you weren't always a vegan, though, right? How did you? No, no. How'd, how'd you get I here? Was, how'd you get there? The funny thing is, is that I mean, I grew up in South Texas, right? Mexican family, and I actually grew up on a ranch. Wow. And we we actually used to have cattle, and we would actually have our own cattle slaughtered, which is crazy to think about now. Yeah. So, like, I I totally got the other side of like you know eating meat, this whole thing. And, you know, I did it my whole life up until like five years ago. And it was one of those things where I just started kind of seeing like into like how to eat healthier. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It was always it started off as a health thing where I was like, you know what? I've never gone more than a week without like eating meat or eggs or milk. And I was like, going to just try it. Like, I'm right. like, I'm just going to try it. See how it goes. So. I gave myself a thing where I was like, I'm just going to do it for two weeks. And I'm one of those people, like, I'm always trying to, like, stay in shape. You know, I'm, I'm not, like, a crazy health nut. But, you know, I like to go to the gym and, I, you know, like to stay presentable. You know, especially because my wife uh, was a personal trainer for many years. And I know your wife isn't, like, you know, she's a personal trainer as well. Right. So it's like you got to stay in shape. Like, if you're with someone who's always in shape, like, you can't let yourself go because you're, like, She'll find someone else. You know? <laughs> like, so like, I, it was like, I got to stay in shape. So I was like, I'm just going to try it. And after like the first week was super fucking hard. Like yeah. it was, it was weird. And I remember like the last meal I had was I was in Texas and I was actually staying with my mom. I was just there visiting. And I was like, I'm going to go vegan tomorrow. She's like, okay, let me cook for you. You know, like you're starting a new diet thing. And she made me like this really good, like freaking spaghetti with like turkey and like she, she's just really good cook overall and i remember just like eating that and then i just got so sick wow <laughs> and i never get sick from her from my mom's cake she's a great cook and i was like i don't know what happened no one else got sick it was just me and i think it was because it was like a mental thing where mm -hmm. i was like okay this is the last meat that i'm gonna eat for a while and i think my body was just like nah, nah. it's like you're done after this mm -hmm. so 
after that, I just was like, I'm going to go vegan for two weeks. After that, I'll just give my, like, just go back. I just want to see it. And after like the first week, which was rough, I started feeling so much better. Like I had a lot more energy. I started getting a lot more response to my workouts and I was sleeping so much better. I wasn't like groggy during the day. Like I know it was, I was like, you know what? Screw this two weeks. I'm just going to do it for a month. And once I did it for a month, I was like, like, I just wasn't craving meat. Like I just Mm -hmm. wasn't looking at it. It didn't look good to me. Like it was like a whole thing where like my body kind of just changed. And ever since then, I just haven't gone back. And then I started learning more about like the food system, like how the whole like animal agriculture stuff is done and, you know, the factory farming and, and even like from like a food perspective and everything, like our government too, like wastes so much money on these like archaic food systems that like the market just rejects now. Like, you know, if you look at like dairy, and I know this is something that you're probably familiar with, the dairy industry operates at a loss. Like they actually are losing money every year. And the only way to sustain themselves is by government programs. So they get billions in government subsidies, right? These farmers do. So they get it's corporate welfare. And it's these archaic government programs that happened during like the Great Depression where like the school systems have to use milk. They have to. Oh, wow. So they, yeah. So like all the milk, like the reason why we used to get milk with like pizza in school <laughs> wasn't because that, that actually goes together. Cause it fucking doesn't, it doesn't go together at all. <laughs> at go all together. Yeah. But when you're a kid, they give you like chocolate milk with like that meat flank steak. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And you're like, why the, or like chocolate milk with like the, the peaches and, sh- and syrup. Do you remember that? Like the little fruit cups yeah, that doesn't awful. go together. But the reason we do it is because they're like, well, we got to keep producing milk. And it's like, why? It's like, well, cause farmers, and you're like, these farmers don't need this. It operates at a loss. You know what I mean? So right. as you keep thinking about it, you're just like, I, you know, it, it's, it comes to the point where like your morals align with your choices. And that's where I'm at now. So mm-hmm. it started off as a health and now it's like a moral and now it's like an ethical thing too, like what it's doing to the planet and everything, the rainforest. It just kind of comes full circle. And I'm, I'm one of those people, like I just practice what I preach. So like, you know, you see people like preaching like climate change, we got to do this. We got to throw $20 trillion into solar and air. And it's like, do you still eat meat? Yeah, but, and it's like, no, then you should be practicing what you preach. Like if you believe in climate change, right, which there's a lot of studies that back it up, you should like not eat meat because that's the number one contributor to it. So it's just one of those things where like, I'm not a hypocrite. So like that's, that's also adds to it, right? It adds fuel to that fire, that carbon producing fire. (laughs) (laughs) Well, 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 I I think there's something, you know, obviously very uh, admirable about you know, living the life that you're, that you're preaching about, but also I gotta, I gotta say, uh, if anybody, uh, wants to creep on your Facebook and check out your pictures, you've gotten older, but somehow you look younger than you did five years. I, and like, I, I mean, for those, for those of you who just listened to the audio, you can't see how black this dude's hair is. And I'm so fucking <laughs> upset because I, because I have so many grays and this dude is just like, you know, uh, I think before we started recording, you were like, oh, yeah, you know, I cut off some, uh, some of my hair. 
Uh, and I'm like, you fucking <laughs> asshole. Like, you cut off some of that beautiful fucking black hair, that beautiful, that nice, healthy hair. The Chicano locks right here. <laughs> Dude. Although I got I to gotta say one thing, though. I, you know, you could tell you could tell he's not full Mexican because he doesn't have a mullet. Right. You know, if he was yeah, full no, Mexican, right? he would have the that whole, mullet like, going. The South Texas mullet. Ooh, yeah, Italy. That, that yeah. Uh, Norteño. Uh, <laughs> hey, watch out. Yeah. Uh, going on uh, that. What, what, um, with the uh, with the vegan stuff, uh, is there uh, if somebody is looking to go that route, what are what are some of you know just you know some like little steps, baby steps they could they could take so that they don't you know fall off the wagon after two I mean, weeks I or a month. I would say like there's just so many resources now. Like I you know people think there's a couple of stereotypes that like most people think about like you know do you get enough protein? The answer is 100 percent yes. Like a cup of lentils has more protein in it than an entire steak. So Get protein the fuck is out. not an issue. You say yeah, one cup of lentils has like 40 to 50 grams of protein. Bro. So you're not bro, gonna I'm go trying to bulk up, dude. I'm trying, neck. I'm trying to lose this neck, bro. I'm gonna I'm just roll, stuff, stuff some yeah, lentils exactly. in it. The funny thing is though, is like as soon as you mention like vegan, like everyone tells you like my body just doesn't agree with it. I have to have meat. And you're like, you've never tried it. Just, just shut up. Like you've never really tried it. Um, another thing too, is like every, as soon as you mention I'm, as soon as I say I'm vegan, everyone automatically is training for the Olympia, right? Cause they're just <laughs> like, I don't know, man, I need to have like my 120 grams of protein a day. It's like, why? Well, what are you training to do? Well, you know, I mean, you know, it's just it's just how my body functions. I'm like, I'm I'm in better shape than you, you idiot. Like, well, I like what are you uh, training for? It was a little it was a little while back, and, and you posted something um, uh, about because uh, Joe Rogan has had you know a number of guests, like people with the carnivore diet, people with more of a mixed oh, diet, yeah. and, and all that. Joe Rogan, don't and, get me and started. Uh, and you were talking, <laughs> you posted something like because uh, uh, I think he had he had mentioned that somebody had tried to go the vegan route and was deficient in certain vitamins or something like that so they needed supplements and you're like yo dude you sell supplements <laughs> like, <laughs> he's a big dude joe rogan is he, he, i think and the funny thing is i think a lot of people have caught on he is like he somehow got dowed with this like ultra hey he's just a curious dude he's the close mind he's a close-minded motherfucker dude like it's it's so funny though because number one like he says that like Vegans can't get enough uh, testosterone. Your testosterone goes down. Meanwhile, he takes steroids, and he's like open about taking steroids. Does he take? Does and he take steroids? He does that. take steroids. He admits it. He's admitted it multiple times on his podcast. So it's like you're the one obviously struggling with testosterone if you're taking steroids. You know, not vegans. And he's had like vegan athletes on his podcast that have schooled him. He had Rich Roll which was considered the healthiest man on earth by men's health. At one point he's vegan. He does like ultra marathons. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's done. He's had John Joseph, the singer of the Cro-Mags who's, who's been vegan for like over 20 years. Oh, he's and, the, um, he's a, a black belt in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I think. With yeah. Gracie, he, also, I think. he also does, uh, also does ultra marathons too. He does Ironmans and shit. And he's like wow. in his late forties, which is crazy. Uh, and Rich Roll's in his 50s, and he freaking does ultra marathons. Uh, so he's had these people on. He had John Wilkes, the guy who did Game Changers, who was like a former MMA fighter and all this stuff. So he's had those people on, but yet he still believes. 
you know, he has Jordan Peterson on one time and Jordan Peterson's like, I'm on the carnivore diet, you know? And then after that, Rogan's like, whoa, I, I gotta do this diet. And then Dude, I, gotta, I gotta tell you, man, that was the worst Joe Rogan impression I've heard, man. I'm not a Rogan. Yeah, I'm not a Rogan. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> I, I am. A, I'm definitely I'm definitely a fan um, with, with the with the Peterson thing. Um, you know, it is, it is wild. You know, just, I mean, one thing, you know, when it comes to people like so many people are are different and respond to, you know, different you know diets or foods, you know, so you have people who are lactose intolerant. You have people who I think, you know, he had some real aversions to, you know, to food. So to certain foods so he was trying to do, I guess, uh, an elimination diet. And, you know, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not, uh, I'm not a dietitian or nutritionist. So, you know, I'm not one to talk. I'm just more of a, uh, yeah, but interesting it, it, stuff, but it's common sense though, dude, if you only eat red meat, it's not good for you. Like what vitamins and minerals are you getting from it? Like, it's not what your body agrees with. It's like a super, it's a fad diet. There's no, you're going to miss key nutrients. And I've seen it like, I, I had a buddy who snuck onto like this carnivore diet Facebook group and they talk about how they have to take um, electrolyte powder, like when they drink water with it. And hmm. yeah, cause if not, you get like really severely dehydrated and it's, it's not out of this world. It's very common for people to be on the carnivore diet to have like crazy diarrhea for a month. And I'm oh, like, wow. That's not good. How, how you can't tell me that that is actually healthy for you, and then say that vegans are malnutrition. Like you can't just like you can't say that. You know, if you're on this carnivore diet, and uh, you know, it, it's one of those weird things where like you know Jordan Peterson was talking about how it like helped cure his depression, and he got off of these medications because he was on the carnivore diet. All these false claims with like no scientific research or backing. It was all anecdotal and so many people fell for it. Meanwhile, the guy went into rehab for like abusing drugs and everything. You're just like, okay, dude, like you're a smart guy. You know a lot about a lot of certain things, but with the nutrition thing, like just, just bow out. Like just don't, don't sell this snake oil. Like, yeah, it's, it's the end all be all. It cured my depression. You're like, there's no diet, even vegan diet. There's no diet on record that helps cure people's depression. Like this just doesn't exist. Right, right now I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm imagining someone making a meme, just the the sad vegan. You know, it's just <laughs> it's, a, it's it's Brian with his fucking beautiful locks, just looking out the window at a <laughs> at a at a gray uh, at a gray cloud. <laughs> I thought eating more lentils would cure my depression, Lou. It didn't do it, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh man. One day though. One day we'll get there. Well, uh, Brian, man, I uh, I really appreciate you coming on. It's uh, like I said, we uh, it's been a while since we since we talked, and I'm uh, happy you're uh, you're doing so well, looking so good. Uh, can thanks, you let, man. appreciate you, it right back at you. Thanks, and can you let um uh, you know let uh, let everybody know where they could uh, see your stuff? So. Yeah, yeah. If you guys want to follow uh, my Instagram, I always post uh, stand up clips, uh, funny videos, stuff like that. If you guys want to follow me, I'd really appreciate it. It's at BTD jokes on Instagram, Brian Torres Day, and on TikTok. If I'm not banned off the platform, apparently, I was about to say. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me on TikTok at BTD jokes. I'm always posting videos and stuff like that for people to check out. Awesome.
Hey guys, thank you so much for watching. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to support the show, please head over to theluperez.locals.com and go ahead and support my sponsors. Black Organic Cold Brew, head over to www.blvckbrew.com and use the promo code LU for free shipping. And if you head over to Paloma Verde, www.palomaverdestore.com and use the promo code LU, you'll get 25% off purchases over $75. And if you sign up for email, you'll get an extra 10% off. All right, later.